Hey, before we jump into the podcast, just want to give a quick reminder, if you're new here to the Holistic Nootropics podcast, to please just take a quick second and subscribe to the podcast. It takes literally a second to do. Just hit the subscribe button right there in your podcast player. Also, if you want to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Now, if you're more of a visual person, you like to actually watch the podcast, you can actually do that over on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com, search Holistic Nootropics, You'll see our page pop up. Subscribe to that. Hit the little bell icon so you can get notified every single time new videos drop because we don't just do podcasts over there. We do product reviews. We do all kinds of nootropic and biohacking and holistic health topical videos. So go on over, check us out on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. And for all things nootropics, nutrition, and biohacking related, go on over to holisticnootropics.com. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. You're listening to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, your home for holistic, evidence-based cognitive enhancement strategies. And now your host, Eric Levi. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, where we discuss using nootropics, biohacking, and nutrition to help you boost your cognition. My name's Eric. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. And if you're new to the channel, please take a second and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube and hit that little bell icon so you can get notified every single time a new video drops or podcast drops. And if you're listening to this on the audio version on a podcast, then hit the subscribe button in your little podcast player. And if you really enjoy this podcast, which there's no doubt you're gonna head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave the podcast a nice review. Five stars would be awesome. Today on the podcast, I have a gentleman by the name of Kelly Roman. Kelly is a co-founder of Fisher Wallace Laboratories, a medical device company based in New York that was first to commercialize wearable brain stimulation. Prior to uh, Fisher Wallace, Kelly graduated graduated from Harvard and served as a marketing executive in the media and software industries. Kelly, welcome to the Holistic Nootropics podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is cool. You're the first Harvard grad I've had on the podcast. So I guess we're moving up in the world. <laughs> we're moving down. I don't know. One of the two. <laughs> moving, yeah. We, we got all these public school junkies, you know, and now we got moving into the Ivy League. I like it. Um, this is exciting because, uh, you know, I've been doing some research on Fisher Wallace and, and what you guys do over there. And it's, it's really exciting because I've been getting into this um, you know, this biohacking wearable, uh, these biohacking gadgets. I actually have, uh, one here at my home and, you know, you put it on your head and it, it stimulates your mind and it has all of these brain boosting benefits. And, and I'm just so excited about the innovation in the space. And it's so cool that you're a part of that. Um, and I want to jump into all that with you, but before I do, maybe you could tell a little bit, uh, or talk a little bit about how you even got into the space to begin with. What, are, what, are, what is your origin story? Yeah, I have, a, I have an unusual one for medical device uh, executives. So I uh, came out of media background. I was an English major at, at Harvard. I, I uh, Creative writing was my thing. I uh, ended up uh, writing a book for HarperCollins, a graphic novel, actually. So I was a, I was a comic book writer, and um, but a science fiction, kind of a sci-fi writer. So in terms of, I, I was always interested in, and technology and wearable tech and, and kind of exploring that in a, in a, in that's in that kind of medium. Um, and I, I also worked at Nielsen, the ratings company, it's data company, uh, Nielsen ratings we've all heard of. Um, and then, uh, at a software company that was backed by union square ventures, which backed Twitter, it was called Oddcast, and It was kind of avatar related software. And my brother, 
actually was the one who had uh, had always been into uh, medical research. So he uh, is a number of years older than me, also went to Harvard, but was a you know biochemistry major and is now a professor at, in medical school uh, here in New York. And so growing up, I mean, I would always be reading uh, journal articles that, that he would publish in Nature and, and other places. Um, and, and we'd always talk about it. So I, I had kind of a comfort level with that. And, um, uh, and, you know, I also worked at a time in Los Angeles for a, uh, executive recruitment firm, a headhunting firm. And that was right during the kind of dot-com boom. It was one of my first jobs out of college. And so I had a lot of experience interviewing people, building teams. And so I think pulling from all those things, I brought like a fresh set of eyes to the medical space, which has turned out to be a good thing. So I didn't really look at things the same way as if I had kind of, uh, spent my whole career in it. And I met um, my co-founder, Chip Fisher, after his original partner, Wallace, and Fisher Wallace died of cancer uh, very early in, and I replaced Wallace. And he, they had, at that time, they'd acquired the technology from the inventors. And so there's these two talented electrical engineers named Paul and Bernard Liss, who had developed this device and had gotten it through the FDA. Uh, they had also passed away. So, you know, really I look at it as they're kind of being five co-founders. Uh, and Chip and I are the the, the ones that you know uh, that are still alive and are working very hard to kind of I think get the get the vision that these other three guys had uh, fully realized and um, and so you know we 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 had this hospital looking wearable device in two thousand uh, you know nine when I when I started with Chip and uh, and this is a time when drugs were basically out of patent now for mental health. So, you know, in the nineties and the early two thousands, everyone was seeing commercials for antidepressants and Ambien and so forth. And uh, by the mid to late two thousands, you'd stop seeing those, they had gone generic. And also at that point, doctors and patients were very familiar with all the side effects, all the downsides of drugs, you know, they tend to work for a while then the effects wore off and so forth. So. Uh, and then Fitbit had been founded a couple of years before. So I think there was this kind of confluence of being the right time to enter the mental health market. Um, wearables were just becoming something of a, of a thing. And so people could think of our device more like a wearable and less like electroshock therapy. And, and you know, uh, and then we started investing in research. But basically, you know, we're an electrical brain stimulation device. It's comfortable to wear. We're 20 minutes morning and evening. And uh, we just did three studies during the pandemic. Um, we've, we have 70,000 patients, 14,000 prescribers. We're regulated by the FDA. And so I think, you know, I'm a big support. You know, I, I, I take supplements. I, I you know, exercise. Um, I do a lot of things for my health and wellness as well. But I, one thing I really enjoy uh, uh, focusing on with Fisher Wallace is trying to bring some of that really heavy duty FDA regulation and, and clinical trial research into the space, um, you know, we're not the only company doing that, but I think kind of bringing that level of, you know, we're a, pres we're a prescription device. You have to have a prescription to get it. Um, and so we're, we kind of have that, that extra, I think, gravity uh, that, that comes with that and, and uh, trying to elevate the, the, the space a bit with, with, with that science. Yeah. It, it, that's such an interesting breakdown of, 
you know, how did these wearable devices rise in popularity like they have in the last, you know, 10, 15 years? I mean, because I, I don't know if it's because I'm kind of newer in the space and all of a sudden I'm seeing like, like my reticular activation is going and I'm just seeing like wearable device, wearable device, biohacking gadget. Cause I don't think it's always been like this, but it makes sense when you give that timeline of, you know, the drugs were out of patent and now the kind of the market opens up for all of these new gadgets and, and Fitbit, you're right. I don't know if it was the first, but it was the first that like, I think most people heard of um, at yeah, the right, very least. Right, right. And, it, and it comes out and it's like, everyone's got a Fitbit. It was just a thing like you, anybody could have one. Your mom could have one. You could have right. one. Like you didn't have right. to be a scientist. It's just, you put it on your wrist, you right. know, you get your steps in, you know, you're right. checking your heart rate. And, right. um, and, and that really catches on because it just takes people's ability to, to own their own health to another level. Yeah. And, and I think that's also happening now with mental health, right? I think coming out of the pandemic, the, the rates of anxiety and depression up 300%. You have professional athletes and, and musicians and others who are being very public about it in social media. And so our FDA indication is to treat uh, anxiety, depression, and insomnia. And those are the three trials we did during the pandemic. And I think that kind of cultural um, inflection point, if you will, around mental health seems to be happening right now. Um, and so this is kind of, you know, this is the place we've always kind of wanted to be. And I think part of that is also being combined with telehealth, right? I mean, during the pandemic, you, you, there's a lot more telemedicine use because you, you couldn't go see your doctor. And, uh, and that's really the perfect medium for us because it's, that means that you can get your prescription in a remote fashion without having to go to the office. And then we FedEx the device to you when we have mm -hmm. the script and this we're actually in, by the time your, your listeners hear this podcast, we're going to have the prescription process fully integrated with our checkout process, just like it is with uh, hims and hers and in row and, and some, uh, some of these other kind of mask and uh, you know, um, consumer sites for drugs where they're, they're selling everything from Viagra to Propecia. We're focusing on our, on our hardware. Um, and so I feel like we're, we've now entered this new phase, kind of the, the first one was this, this kind of uh, transition and people looking for non-drug alternatives and the competition being uh, uh, kind of opening up, um, allowing for more competition after the, after the, after the, the big patent blockbuster drugs had kind of gone away from, from people's attention. But, um, but now we're seeing, you know, mental health, the stigma come down, the ease of access increase, and uh, so it's a very exciting time to be innovating in this space. And that's why w these these gadgets are so important, because, you know, it's it's no secret now that like as open as we're becoming about mental health conversations, you know, people are coming out and saying, hey, depression's real. I've got it. I've got anxiety, you know, uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, insomnia. I mean, I would imagine most people at this point have in, uh, some form of insomnia because if you're looking at a screen for a majority of the day, it's, it's just kind of comes with the territory. Yep. But we also know, we're also not afraid to acknowledge the serious side effects that come with these medications and just how, how much it varies from person to person. And some people have been dealing with these side effects for a long time. And some people acknowledge the, the, the mental health issues they have, and they just don't want to mess with the, um, uh, with the medications, which is, which is why like my space is so uh, interesting because it's like the nootropics, the supplements, the, you know, I really try to break it down into whole body health, but at the same yeah. time, it's like, I want to know 
is there something, is there a way to actually get right to the brain and actually affect it without having to put something in your body that can just mess with your entire biochemistry? That's right. It's, it's, and that's the, uh, for a, a, something like an SSRI, a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, uh, you know, like a Prozac or Lexapro, I think that's, that's the inefficient delivery system of a pill, right? It's certainly convenient. You pop a pill, you drink a little water, but it has to, it goes into your gastro tract to get to your brain. You have a lot of serotonin, uh, receptors in your gastro tract. So, you know, when I, I took Lexapro, um, you know, I had, I had kind of, no matter how much I ate, I was hungry. That was the side effect for me. I was always hungry. And of course you gain weight. And, and if, if, if that's the case and, um, and so, you know, I actually, when I first met my business partner, he introduced me to this device and, um, and I, ever since then, I was, uh, 13 years ago, I, you know, it's the only thing I've, I've needed to use to keep my, my, my mood, you know, healthy and normal. Um, and I, I was really happy to, to, to not have to use the medication. So that was my personal, you know, and when that happened to me in the first few weeks, I was like, I want to, I want to work on this business with you. Um, obviously, you know, the next step is you have to have more than, uh, your own personal experience, you have to have clinical trial data that shows that not only the device works, but it works against the placebo. And that that's a very difficult thing to do because in mental health, um, placebo effect is, is very powerful. It's, it's powerful whether it's a drug or a device. Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, talk therapy, what, the research that's performed with that, there, there's there's not a placebo arm because it, how do you how do you really create a placebo of a of a talk therapy? You know, so so really they 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 tend to compare against what's called a wait list, which is simply not someone not getting any therapy, or they'll compare it to a drug result. Um, but in our studies that we just did, you know, we actually had to compare people using the real thing, the active device, with a device that looked like it was functioning but was not actually delivering the stimulation, mm. but still had the behavior change of the active device, which means, you know, you're sitting with it for 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. And, um, you know, you're interacting with a doctor during the trial. So uh, these trials are, are challenging and, you know, we're, we're, we're submitting the first one that we did to a major journal, hopefully be published uh, by the end of the year. Uh, that's when we can really uh, be very detailed about the results. But I can say we're ex- we're excited. We wouldn't be submitting it to a big journal if it wasn't positive. Um, and we're we're excited to share that. It's the first time that a large scale trial has been done with our device, and certainly um, during the pandemic, it's kind of an artifact in that sense. Uh, um, to, to to have been able to do a study at a time when all the all the hospitals were overwhelmed, and so this had to be an at home study but still have all the rigor of a regular trial with the, with the placebo arm and, and uh, all the other controls. So. And are these clinical studies in people that were uh, depressed, had anxiety? What, what, what was the, um, you know, what yeah, was the so population? Studies. Yeah. One, one was for generalized anxiety disorder. So you had to have a, a you have to be screened and diagnosed for that. And you couldn't have things like uh, clinical depression bipolar, uh, substance use disorder, suicidality, schizophrenia, uh, uh, attention, uh, uh, disorders. And it was, it was pretty rigorous exclusion criteria as they mm-hmm. call them. So, uh, and then we also did a study on major depressive disorder and same thing. It had to be kind of a very pure diagnosis. You couldn't have co-occurring, uh, clinical anxiety, 
Um, you could have a little bit of sleep difficulty. That was about it because sleep difficulties are symptoms of both of those things. Um, but other than that, I mean, we, for instance, you know, about a quarter of the patients that applied to the trial had some thoughts of suicide in the last year. And so they had to be excluded. Um, and a lot of our patients who are, are actually getting and get, getting our device have had some form of a suicidality at some point, but that's not, you could, we couldn't have that in the major depressive disorder study. So, and then we did an insomnia study on what's called uh, sleep maintenance insomnia, which is, you know, uh, people who have trouble staying asleep as opposed to people who are um, having trouble getting to sleep. And uh, so in that case, you're looking at, you know, what's the total sleep time? Um, how are you improving total sleep time? And for that, we actually used a Fitbit Charge 4 uh, to track total sleep time. And uh, the Fitbit Charge 4 is actually a good device for tracking that. It's not as accurate uh, uh, to track uh, what's called sleep onset, which is how long it takes to get to sleep. But it's, it's, it's quite accurate. In fact, is better than... Um, actigraphy and measuring uh, total sleep time. So uh, so the technology was really there. It was great to be able to combine in the sleep study, for instance, our device with a sleep tracker. And you know, a lot of our patients in the real world do that. So if you buy our device and you have a sleep tracker, uh, you know, I recommend you, you, you know what your baseline sleep patterns are, and then you use our device. You can track your sleep uh, you know, on a weekly basis, even on a daily basis, but really at least a weekly basis or biweekly. Um, and you can see, is the device having an effect and on your total sleep time? So that's nice to be able to quantify the results. I'm sure I, you know, I'm sure that you've done that with other, other products too, where you can actually, ones that may impact sleep, you can actually have your own personal clinical trial, which is nice with, with a sleep tracker. Yeah, the sleep, the sleep tracking, it's, it's so crucial, you know, because when you start diving into it, like sleep, you start to realize the different stages of sleep. Like yep. you could be in yep. bed for eight hours, but you might only sleep for a couple right. um, and right. you might only get like, uh, like 15 minutes of deep sleep, five minutes yep. of REM. And, you know, you wake up every day and you're like, oh, why do I feel so groggy? I've slept all this time. And then you start to realize, oh, I didn't actually sleep. I was like restless. I was like in this light stage sleep. And then, yeah. you know, then you're living off of coffee. And then that right. in itself starts going towards depression, anxiety, and all kinds yep. of mood issues. You fix sleep, you can often fix the mood issues. Uh, and that is true in the veteran population. I mean, I, I know we have a retired general on our board who treats patients and, you know, that's his number one priority is, is, uh, is, is stabilizing sleep first and, and then working on everything else. He's like, until you have good night's sleep, uh, it's really going to be hard to, to uh, pinpoint fixing anything else. You got to fix the sleep first. That's so cool. So let's talk about the device. Uh, how does the device work? Give me kind of an overview of, you know, uh, like what this thing is. And, and cause I've, I've, I've looked at it online. Um, you know, it looks, it looks pretty simple. Um, but I'd love to know, you know, kind of like the science behind it and, and, sure. and how it actually works. Sure. So yeah, this is our version one. I would almost call it a POC or proof of concept, um, design. Uh, we are building a, a version two right now that's going to come out, uh, we're targeting April as a ship date for next year. And that's being designed by Eric Fields who designed Beats headphone products and, and Nest products. It's gonna look really great. Uh, so what we have now looks more like a hospital device, which is kind of the, the you know, the origins of it. Um, and it works, it has two electrodes. One goes on either side of the head. Right now you slip it under a headband 
And there's wires that come down and connect to a handheld unit that you can turn on and off. Uh, in version two, it's going to be wireless, but in, in, in this version, uh, and both are going to have the same output. But what's nice about having this the version one it has some great benefits. It's, 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 uh, you know, it's very easy to use. Uh, the replaceables, if you need another headband, that's not expensive. The sponges are not expensive. And then there's the batteries, which are all in double A batteries. So it's very inexpensive to maintain once you buy it. Um, in terms of the mechanism of action, uh, you know, there's kind of two forms of research. One is the symptom reduction, where you do research to actually measure over time, does the device lower symptoms versus a placebo? Uh, and then there's mechanism of action, which is what is actually happening in the brain and the body to help explain why this is happening. So I would say, as off the bat, we know more about the symptom reduction than we know about the mechanism, uh, but we do know some of the mechanism. So we have done uh, we have published two studies with our device on uh, biomarker studies that are looking at serotonin production. We've seen durable increases in serotonin, uh, lowering of cortisol, stress hormone. And uh, there was a study done with a similar device, not ours, that shows uh, modulation of the default mode network. This is with alternating current, which is what our device is. Not to get too technical, but there's alternating current, which means the polarity changes in the electrodes. It goes back and forth, positive, negative, positive, negative, uh, versus direct current, which stays fixed. One's always positive, one's always negative. So with alternating current in lab, in uh, academic labs, they're able to build alternating current simulators for, they don't have to go buy something commercially, you can build it. So it's a little bit different than ours in terms of frequency, but it's in the ballpark. So you, so the physiological effects, are, it's very likely there's some, some similar uh, things going on. So what they've seen with those lab devices, is modulation of the default mode network, which is the center brain regions, which are uh, responsible for a lot of things, but including a kind of sympathetic nervous system response to so the fight or flee. Uh, so be able to if think of it like a thermostat, uh, it looks like that alternating current within the frequency range that we do, uh, that we that we deliver can kind of downregulate that, that feeling of fight or flee. Is that and through the hypothalamus? Sorry to interrupt. That will that is connected. So the 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 Broadman areas of the brain are what our electrodes are actually directly above, and the Broadman area does um, uh, it sends signals to the hypothalamus. The, the Broadman area actually also sends signals to the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, which is the very frontal front cortex. And so there are some. It's interesting. There are some. Uh, there, there's research that shows that deactivation of the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex um, can correlate to lower to re reducing uh, depression I mean to to having uh, to having depression and so you want to increase the activity of that area and so there are some brain simulation techniques that put electrodes right here on the forehead the problem is you're, you're, the bone is very very thick in the forehead uh, there's some more resistance and actually the center regions of the brain the Broadman areas um, are are so interconnected with the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. So we've done some FNIR studies and some sensor studies that shows that dorsolateral prefrontal cortex is getting quite activated, even though we're stimulating here because of the connectivity. So, um, so that's, an, that's another potential me mechanism of in terms of depression reduction is actually stimulating the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. Um, and then there is brainwave entrainment, which is, um, and, and you can you can achieve this this part through other means, but not necessarily for the same duration. So if you do deep breathing or use meditation, you can get into an alpha state. 
um, alternating current has been shown to actually entrain the brain into an alpha state uh, electrically. So you're not, you don't, essentially you don't need to do the breathing or the, it's actually kind of forcing the brain to get into a, uh, into an alpha state through the delivery of uh, the current within that, within that frequency zone, which is around, you know, for alpha, it's like around 12 Hertz. Um, so, so all those things combined, the neurochemicals, the, the, the sympathetic nervous response, you know, the, the default mode network, the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex stimulation, the brainwave entrainment, all of these things are, have been shown to have an impact from alternating current stimulation of the brain. Um, what we're investing in next is doing much more kind of imagery. So F, um, uh, not just using FNIRS, which is more looking at blood flow, but fMRI, which is much more detailed brain imagery of pre, during, and post. Um, and so there, there's still a ways we have to, to go to fully explain mechanism. One thing that we want to explore is, for instance, membrane potential uh, is the is the electrical stimulation actually increasing membrane potential in neuronal cells, um, meaning it's easier for uh, chemicals to pass uh, through the membrane and for the cell to receive it, kind of essentially making the cells act like they're younger, especially in older patients, is that happening? Uh, how much is the stimulation of the optic nerve impacting things? So one of the things you see when you wear a device, if you close your eyes, you'll see little flashing lights. And it, we are stimulating, because the optic nerve actually goes back quite a ways, even though the electrodes are here, it, the, the optic nerve is, the end of it is very close. Um, now that is also connected to other parts of the brain, which which are likely to have impact on, on mood and sleep. Um, for instance, this is why uh, circadian rhythms are important. And, you know, when you, humans are conditioned uh, evolutionary wise to, to sleep at night and, and they get, you, you, have, you have different serotonin and other neurochemicals that are activated from daylight. So it makes sense that if you're stimulating optic nerve, that that could have an effect on, on, on the way that your brain is processing uh, those things. So, um, so there's more work for us to do there, but what we, what we focused our money on this summer or not this summer, all of last year, uh, was on the symptom side. We wanted to show definitively that the device works on reducing symptoms. And then next is, is, is getting a more clear picture on how it's doing that. Um, but we, at least we're showing that it's safe and effective, and then we can get more into the, how it's doing it. Wow. That, I mean, that, that's so, that's so detailed. There's so many things going on there that, that your device does. Um, like for example, I use this, uh, this other device called the Omni PEMF and it, uh, uses transmagnetic, uh, transmagnetic, transmagnetic cranial stimulation. So basically it's like magnets that vibrate and it does that same kind of, um, brainwave entrainment. And it's real interesting. They have like several, you can like, uh, use different settings that are specialized, like for sleep, for relaxation, for brain, um, for enhanced oh. learning, uh, which is pretty cool. I, I'll be honest. I don't know if it's working, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it does like, it, it does have some effect going on there. So, um, yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like you guys are kind of taking that to the next level. Yeah. And our version two device is going to feature an app, um, that actually tracks your symptoms. So you'll be able to, just like we did in the trials, you could like for 
depression, you could do the, what's called the Beck depression inventory for anxiety, the Beck anxiety inventory. It's a 21 question questionnaire. Mm. It's the same one you use in a clinical trial. That's gold standard for tracking these symptoms. So you could do a baseline and we, we want to test you every two weeks. So just a few minutes, I mean, 21 questions. I mean, you can get through a lot of these in under 10 minutes. Um, and you, so you can really get your own personal results, uh, and then we can also we also want to do cognitive uh, performance testing, so memory, focus, and concentration. And they're they're pretty simple games uh, you can use short to be able to test that. And so we want to be able to give you kind of clinical grade data on your own performance, kind of in the way you might get with a heart rate monitor and a and a, and a sleep tracker and you know a fitness tracker, but but for your mental health and um, and cognitive performance. And so to give you kind of that data, and then we can aggregate that data well as well as we did in the trials, instead of 800 patients, I mean, we sold, you know, 11,000 devices last year, we could get a lot more patients um, on an anonymized basis. And then, and then that will give us some really interesting data on kind of correlations between usage and results. And, uh, and I think finally get some pretty big numbers in terms of statistical significance around the cognitive piece, which we haven't done uh, any significant research on yet that's just like another thing to spend money on we have to kind of pick our battles but um you know especially for older patients who you know are beginning to think about you know wanting to protect against uh dementia and then some other things uh, i think being able to track cognitive performance will be really important and and uh and and if we can show some improvements there, uh, that that'll only make using the device more appealing, uh, even if you're originally using it, say, to treat your anxiety. If you can see, oh, my memory is also improving a bit here, which would make sense because the memory memory regions of the brain are there's a lot in the, the center, the center region there. Yeah. And, and, and these things all kind of work together. You know, it's, it's almost a disservice that we, that we almost think of these things separately. Right. And it, right. Maybe it's the commercialization of everything like, Hey, take this supplement for memory, take this supplement for uh, depression, take this supplement for, you know, or use this device for focus. Right. But like, it all kind of comes from what you were talking about, which is, you know, uh, like the fight or flight, right? Like cortisol uh, and cortisol, the way that it affects the brain and the way that your stress response, your fight or flight, your rest is, uh, rest yeah. and digest, the way that your brain is actually communicating to your nervous system. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're in a high state of panic all the time, well, you're going to have anxiety and then you're also going to have memory deficits and then you're also going to have depression and then you're also going to have a hard time focusing. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. it all, it all kind of, it all kind of goes together. That's, that's, that's very true. And I think you're right. I think it does come out of this need to give a marketing message and it's actually more complicated than that. And, and so, um, well, it's nice having be able to come onto a podcast and talk about it because it is a little, it is, it does, it is more complicated than that. And especially with the brain, it's, it's a very complicated organ. I mean, I, it's, it's an electrical organ though. And I, I think that's, um, it's important to acknowledge on a basic level is as to why these technologies that are actually delivering electrical stimulation, whether it's magnetically derived or, or in our case, it's not, we don't use magnets. We're actually uh, directing current um, through sponge electrodes, but um yeah, it's an electrical organ. And uh, um, so it's it's nice to not have to go through the gastro track, you know. And this is a kind of therapy that goes back a long time, right? Like they've been using this, this electric. In forms, yeah, it has gone right. back. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, 1950s, there were, there were devices. I mean, I have a, I have an antique device 
I want to say from, I got to check it out from, uh, I don't think it's still, I'd bring it and show you here, but it's like a wooden box that had a, that had, um, I think it was turn of the century, like around 1900, where these are brass, you know, electrodes and there was a crank and there is, you know, someone that would come like house to house and, and offer this kind of electrotherapy. So, um, I mean, all the way back into ancient Roman times, they would actually use electric eels uh, and put them on the head. Wow. And uh, that's actually an effective way to treat headaches is to stimulate the trigeminal uh, nerve. Um, there is a device called cephaly. We have no involvement in it um, that has has research. It's an electrode that has a sticker basically on it. You stick it to your forehead and it, it is is helpful in treating migraines. Um, you know, and you know, there there is data quite a bit that shows the relationship between trigeminal nerve stimulation and and headache reduction. So this is interesting that they didn't know that necessarily, but they were putting the electric electric fish on their heads. Yeah. And it was working. They had a headache, they put the fish there, the pain went away. Um so so yes, it goes back a while. I would say what's happening now is there's there's both uh you know more ways to collect data and there's a there's a move and i think in five years from now fisher wallace will probably have uh you know more than one product and may have something what's called closed loop where we're able to actually customize stimulation based on what your brain's doing in real time um uh, that is already a thing, but there's actually not uh, there's not any data that shows it's it's more effective yet in treating symptoms. Um, but I think intuitively it makes sense that if you have enough patients using a system like that, that you can kind of have machine learning get involved and 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 figure out some things about the way that people respond to electrical stimulation in certain areas of the brain and and be able to kind of fine tune. Uh, the treatment process. So that's going to take having really, really good sensors that are inexpensive to make it commercially viable. And um, so it's a little bit of time away it's, uh, from now, but it, but that's kind of, I think, the next phase. And then, um, you know, there's this whole, there's this whole area of surgically implanted brain simulation, which, you know, the, the Elon Musk uh, Neuralink um, and, and there's some other deep brain stimulation technologies and others that are out there, but we're, we're always going to want to Fisher Wallace is always going to want to focus on the, the non-surgical. So, yeah. And I'm wondering if you have any data, like in terms of neuroinflammation, inflammatory markers or like beta amyloids or, you know, things that influence like brain aging. That's a great question. So that, that is the, I'm working on building a protocol right now. Uh, so the answer is no, not not with our device, but but we will soon. I, we're um, uh, we're going to do uh, a study with probably about 500 patients with blood uh, blood work, um, so that we can uh, we can really see all kinds of different markers. And I think the membrane potential thing is one that I'm very interested in uh, because that may have some impacts in terms of uh, potential with Alzheimer's and, and other things. So. Um, uh, and, you know, there has been some research done with alternating current pacemakers, for instance, and they've seen uh, increases in membrane potential of, uh, of uh, blood cells um, that have been exposed to that uh, alternating current pacemaker. So the, the thinking is that, well, this is almost like a kind of pacemaker in a sense for the head, for the brain. Um, 
you know, there is actually something called deep brain simulation, which is a surgically implanted simulator. And that's, you know, has had some traction with Parkinson's and other things, but, you know, we're an external simulator. We're more of a whole brain, even though we are, our electrodes are over the center brain regions where the skull is also the thinnest. Um, but uh, yeah, the, 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 some of the interesting biomarker stuff that we're seeing in the, in the alternating current pacemaker studies may very well apply to the brain in some ways. So, um, you know what, we just, we do have those older biomarker studies, like I mentioned on serotonin uh, and, and cortisol um, that showed uh, durable increases in serotonin, I believe up to six hours after, after using the device. Um, and uh, uh, so, but there's more that we have to do there. And I could see why the serotonin would be, would cover the basis on depression, anxiety, and sleep, because of course, more serotonin, less depression, more serotonin, less anxiety, but also more serotonin, more melatonin, better sleep. Yeah. And there's, and there's some debate around that with, with depression. Um, that used to be the, you know, kind of the, the, you know, the, the main theory, but, um, you know, I, I think depression, if, if it was only about serotonin, there, there would, there, we would have more effective treatments. I think, I think there, there's, there's still a lot of complexity in the way that the brain manifests depression. Um, and, you know, but, but it, it certainly, I think what, what I took away from seeing the biomarker data for our device is that it, it's essentially, it's good to see that it's having an actual physiological effect and have, and it is, I just don't know if I would tie all of its efficacy to that, to, to the serotonin. I think there's probably more in what we're talking about with the brainwave entrainment, the, the sympathetic nervous system management, um, those kinds of things that, that are probably more centrally responsible for, uh, for mood improvement than just the serotonin itself. And could you explain this, this membrane potential piece? Because I, I kind of get it, but for maybe like myself and some people at home, why, why is that such a crucial part that, you know, you're so hoping the, so you think in, about? in the, in the alternating current pacemaker studies, they showed increase in membrane potential. I believe you can do that with a dye, um, a fluorescent dye that you can inject and then you can, you can actually, um, measure by membrane potential. It, I, I would think of it as um, kind of the ability of the of the of the cell membrane, whether that's in in the a blood cell or in the brain a neuron, um, uh, for it to pass and receive information, which is uh, uh, you know which could include proteins and 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 uh, uh, neurotransmitters, and and so I think the the way to think about it is like the younger the cell, the healthier the cell, the higher the, the potential, the higher, the, the, the better of the ability for it to send and receive information. The older the cell, the, the, the less ability for that cell to, to send and receive information, which would include proteins and other things. So uh, the heart, the heart researcher who developed one of these pacemakers um, actually had reached out to me and said, because he was aware of our product and he's like, I, I want you to be aware of the research that I've done here with, um, with this membrane potential in, in, in our pacemakers and that you may find, he's saying to me that that could be a primary mechanism, mechanism of action in, you know, if you're actually causing this, the, the brain cells 
which are which are inhibited either because of age or or some other kind of uh, disease um, to have a reduced membrane potential and you're increasing it, that, that may be why you're seeing uh, effects, everything from mood to cognition to sleep. Um, so, you know, that kind of opened my eyes up because I that was kind of a deeper uh, level of of, uh, you know, biochemistry that was kind of above my pay grade. And, um, so as a result of that conversation, you know, we're, I'm hiring someone now to work on a protocol. Um, and we're going to be looking at that and a whole host of other things, including serotonin and cortisol, but also, uh, uh, you know, there's going to be a whole series of markers that we're looking for, and that could help tell the story of why of why the device works. That's cool. Because if you can if you can affect things at the cellular level, especially the membrane, um, which controls essentially even just the integrity of the cell. Um, I mean, that's yeah, that's that's huge. And it sounds like you're now you're getting into like a longevity um, benefit. And I wonder like what Absolutely. happens. Absolutely. And, and it's there's some there's some predicate data, right, with this alternating current pacemaker, which is encouraging. It's not like it's just kind of a thought out of left field. I mean, this this heart surgeon who's a researcher just like, you know, was banging down my door uh, to tell me that this is because he, he actually used the device and, and, and likes the device and was like, boy, I think this is why your device may be working. Um, but, you know, it requires a 500 subject, uh, you know, blood blood testing study, which is not inexpensive to do. And so we have to, you know, there's some money and, and time and where, I mean, it's, it's actually in some senses more complicated than the studies we just did because you have to, you have to have all these subjects actually give blood, which means you have to have a level of, of actual physical doctor administration that we didn't need to do for the, um, for the, uh, mental health studies because they, they were just filling out these questionnaires and they could interact with the doctor over, over a zoom basically. So, um, uh, but we're, we're going to do it. I mean, we're, we're like, you know, we're raising money on start engine. It's our equity crowdfunding campaign. We've raised almost $3 million so far. That's what funded these studies this past year. Mm. And we're raising more now. A lot of it comes from our customers, by the way, which is kind of nice validation. Um, but I think by the fall, like I'm hoping by October, we'll have not just the protocol ready, but the money to, to fund this, this larger blood, um, uh, blood testing study and, and really look at biomarkers there. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's going to be amazing information to have for sure. Yep. And, and, you know, cause you can put it, you can put it in a journal, you could put, you can yep. show it to people, of course, but at the end of the day, when this heart surgeon researcher comes to you, who's sounds like he's very qualified and says this thing works. Uh, I mean, those three words alone, when people use it, you know, you know, if it works for you, if it doesn't, you know, yeah. like I have this, I have two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have like yeah. these gadgets. I use them. Like, um, I got this, uh, thing. It's a, uh, um, it's like a hand grip strengthening device. Yeah. Uh, it's called the Zona and I use it and blood pressure, right. I don't have blood pressure issues, but like I used it and I immediately knew it worked. Right. Because yep. it was like, my sleep was better. It relaxes you. It's just isometric exercise, not hard to do. And I don't know the science. I still don't really get the science behind it, but at the end of the day is like, does it work or does it not work? Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. And we have a 30 day return policy with our device. We get 15% of them back which we're very happy with that, you know, that that's a pretty good, that's a pretty low return rate uh, 
free shipping both ways, 100% refunds. So you're $0 out if, if it doesn't work. And, um, and you know, we tell our patients to give it two weeks. You have 30 days. It's not going to take you thir- If you use it twice a day, it's not going to take you 30 days to figure it out. It'll take you, most patients will respond in a week. And then the rest of them within two weeks, if you don't feel re- you're having a result in, in that time, um, then it's, you're, you're likely not going to. So, um, yeah, I, I, I fully hear you. We, you know, w- w- but I think there is also, um, because we're asking for an investment of money and time, you know, we, we want to have the science to say, you know, here's a population of people and this is the percentages that they did work and that didn't work, you know, and, and, and here's evidence to show that it's not just a placebo effect, you know, and I think, uh, a clinically placebo effect is just as valid as an, as an active effect. Right. I mean, all, I mean, clinically you just want the person to get better. Who cares if it's placebo effect or not? Um, but you know, with with uh, with with when you're making a claim, a medical claim, you have to be able to to say that this is actually functioning better, the active, the real thing, than a placebo, and that's on a fundamental difference. That is the difference between the the, the FDA regulated medical field and everything else. Is that you, you ultimately you know need to show that it's better than a placebo. It kind of comes down to that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's such a, such a strong statement too, that you guys have the FDA approval, you know, you can only get this through a doctor's prescription. So it's not just like you're running commercials and then somebody says, Oh, I want that. And then they order it online or from Amazon or something. It's like, no, you have to, you have to get a second opinion from what we assume is a qualified, uh, you know, person. Yeah, it's not a an exhaustive analysis, but there right. is a, there is a real doctor person with a licensed, uh, in your state that needs to read your your questions, and may have a may have a follow up question based on your answers. But but um, you know what I will say just to, to you know is that if the the contraindications for our device, or if you have a pacemaker, or if you have an implanted electronic device, because those things can can potentially be interfered with by outside electrical stimulation device. Um, but outside of that, if you don't have something electrical that's working inside your body, like a pacemaker or deep brain simulator, um, there's the, the risks are potential headache and dizziness, which is around 1% of the patient. So it's, it's very low risk. And, um, uh, and so, you know, that, that's also why the screening process, there is one, there's a prescription process. Um, but it doesn't need to be as, invasive as a, of a screening process as you would for say a drug where there could be some very serious interactions with something. So for sure. Yeah. Well, this has been great, Kelly. I'm, I'm so interested to, to learn more about, uh, about this device and, and have people hear this, especially people who could benefit from it. Um, so let's say a listener of you were wanting to get themselves one, try it out. Uh, where would they go online? If they have any questions, if they want to learn more, if they want to chat with you, how would, what would be the best place to send somebody to go learn more? It'd be fisherwallace.com, F-I-S-H-E-R wallace.com. And uh, we're, there, there's a prescription process. By the time your listeners hear this podcast, the prescription process will be fully integrated into our checkout, just like it is for hims and hers and, and some other uh, platforms, telemedicine platforms. Um, so uh, it'll be pretty, and it's bundled into the price. So there's no extra price for the prescription. It's built into the price of the device. It's sent to a third party telemedicine company and then 
they render the prescription and you, you get, you can go through it. Um, it's uh, $500, again, 30-day return policy, full refund policy. There's payment plans like there are in any e-commerce, so you can pay uh, monthly and it's fully refundable. So, um, yeah, we we have live chat seven days a week from morning till midnight during during the week and until and 10 or 11 p.m. on uh, Eastern time on the weekend. So we're, we, we pride ourselves in making uh, ourselves very available. Um, and if you want to send something directly to me, email it to info info at fisherwallace.com to say this is for kelly roman i'll get forwarded and, and i will respond you know within a couple of days give me a couple of days but i i will respond to it there's nothing i don't respond to that comes to me awesome and i'll put all that when we release this in our show notes and then so anybody who wants that we will be able they will be able to get in touch with you and uh hopefully grab one of these things for themselves awesome. so uh, kelly Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Holistic Nootropics podcast. Viewer, listener, you know what to do from here. Head on over to holisticnootropics.com. Look for the show notes there in the podcast uh, section. And to learn more, find Kelly online. And if for all things Holistic Nootropics, check out holisticnootropics.com. Until next time, we'll catch you. Have a great day. Peace. Thanks for listening. For more brain-boosting info, in-depth articles, and show notes, check out holisticnootropics.com.